You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. You know, I can remember very clearly when I was a, a little primary school student in short pants over in the Lakemba Primary and uh, racing home at least two afternoons a week, I think it was two, to turn the television on to watch my favourite half-hour show. It was called, wait for it, The Adventures of Superman. With George Reeves. Who's old enough to remember George Reeves? Right there. No, no, I refuse. I want to see birth certificates. I can't believe that. No way. George Reeves. Wow. Well, he was the first Superman. He was my introduction to superheroes. And since that day, what an influx of superheroes we've had. The Phantom, Batman, The Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man, Hellboy. It's a random one, but it's there. Hellboy. Uh, <laughs> Captain America, Iron Man, the list goes on. These are the kind of movies that most in our age group watch on flights. You, you don't go and hire these or intentionally go to the cinema, but if they're on the flight, yeah, okay. So I know many of you have seen some of these. And that's not to mention all the animated superheroes that are around the place, like uh, The Incredibles and Megamind and The Fantastic Four. If you've got grandkids to know some of these. Look, there's something about superheroes. Everybody loves a superhero. Am I right? I mean, they fight for justice. They take care of the bad guys. There is nothing they cannot do. Some of them can fly. All of them can do extraordinary things. But do you know what their greatest appeal is? The greatest appeal of a superhero is that they save. That's it. They rescue. That's what we love. They're alerted to situations where lives are in danger, where the inhabitants of a whole city or a whole country are being threatened. And they're ready to take action. They save the day. That's what we love about superheroes. Now, in light of all this, our Lord Jesus Christ should be enjoying more popularity than he already does because when you think about it, he's the consummate superhero. He's the ultimate example of a superhero. He came to save the world that was in desperate need of saving. That's how it was. That's how it is. And friends, from a human perspective, sending some sort of superhero in our minds would have been the ideal way to get the attention of people. Why didn't God do that? That would have been, that's a great idea from our perspective. Here's the thing. Satan, the prince of darkness, he did know that that was an option. And that was at the basis, that was at the heart of the temptations that our Lord Jesus Christ suffered in those 40 days in the wilderness. The temptation to turn his Messiahship into some kind of superhero story. That was, the, that was at the heart of it. These are the temptations recorded in Matthew 4, Luke 4 and Mark chapter 1. You think back to that scene of intense spiritual warfare. And that's what it was. What was the first temptation in Luke 4's account? If you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Be a superhero with a social conscience. And start doing some some wild, crazy things for the people to meet them at their point of need. They'll love you for that. They'll be wrapped. You'll be so popular. What was the second temptation? All the kingdoms of the world, Jesus, they're all there for you. 
You're a superhero. You're not going to miss out. This is all yours. Superheroes don't miss out. This is all yours if, if you just bow at my knee. What was the third temptation? Satan took Jesus to the top of the temple. And this is the real superhero one. And he said, come on, just jump off. Nothing's going to happen to you. You might fall for a while, then you go, like all those other superheroes do. And the people will love it. Be fantastic. You have all the followers you could possibly want. After all, superheroes leap over and, if necessary, from tall buildings. Well, friends, you can see the subtlety of these temptations, can't you? These were designed to attack Jesus at his point of vulnerability as far as his humanity is concerned. That's what these were, that's what these were aimed at. You see, there's a part in all of us that would love to be a superhero. Do you have those sort of dreams? Am I the only one who has those sort of fantasies? I mean, <laughs> Harvey's with me. He has those. I mean, we'd all love to be a superhero. We'd love to be able to solve the world's injustices. We'd love to be able to heal the world's diseases. We'd love to be able to do that because we see evidence all around us of a world that needs saving. That's it. Save from evil and oppression, save from sickness and disease, save from warfare and famine. That's the world God sees, always has seen since the fall, uh, the beginning of time. That's the world he desires to save. It's the world to which Jesus came at that first Christmas, not as a superhero, but as a little baby. And from a human perspective, it raises the question, why? Why did God choose that method of salvation? I mean, why didn't he send a superhero instead? Instead of a baby? Wouldn't that have got the job done quicker? I mean, wouldn't that have been a more spectacular way of getting people's attention? Wouldn't that have fast-tracked the whole process of salvation instead of going from a little baby to a toddler to a small child, guiding a person through adolescence, see him reach young adulthood, then move into being a young man only to be cut down in the prime of his life. I mean, wouldn't it have fast-tracked the whole process to just send a, a, a superhero? Surely it would have been much quicker, more spectacular and overall more effective to have had Jesus arrive in a, in a flash of light on top of the Mount of Olives with uh, a cape flying in the breeze, hands on hips, laser beams coming from his eyes. I mean, that would have been, you know, he's standing there, he's ready to take on the scribes and Pharisees, he's ready to take on the Roman Empire, he's ready to confront anyone with an evil, evil, destructive intention, he's certainly ready to take on Satan. That would have been quite a show, wouldn't it? Wow. Instead, what have we got? We've got a baby, born of insignificant, non-regal, non-influential parents, in a setting for the birth that was so humble, it wouldn't have passed the paediatric standards of that day, let alone the, the requirements of a modern, sophisticated society. So here's the method of salvation chosen by God. And again, we find ourselves asking, why? Why that method? Now, people far more qualified than me over the years have delved deeply into this subject. I'm talking about the theologians. I'm talking about the scholars. And some of their answers by way, have come to us by way of heavy theological statements, weighty commentaries, 
And sometimes they can leave you asking more questions and or giving you more questions than answers. For me, it's a simple comparison between superheroes and Jesus. If we do a simple comparison, that takes us a long way down the track of understanding why God chose the method he chose to save the world. You see, here's the first thing. Superheroes are larger than life. I mean, when they show up, everybody knows that, you know, Batman with a cool suit and the, uh, and the cape and the Batmobile roaring down a roadway and windows are smashing and bad guys are being thrown everywhere. I mean, when he shows up, you know he's there. There's no mistaking. He makes his presence really felt. But in sharp contrast, Jesus is humble. And he says that of himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine. I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Paul picks up on this in And that very familiar passage which should be read over and over again at Christmas. Philippians 2 verses 3 to 8. Look at this. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to boast. Be humble towards one another. Always considering others better than yourselves. And look out for one another's interests. Not just your own. The attitude you should have is the one that Christ Jesus had. He always had the nature of God. But he did not think that by force he should try to remain equal with God. Instead... He gave, of his own free will, he gave up all that he had, took the nature of a servant. He became like a human being and appeared in human likeness. He was humble, walked the path of obedience all the way to death, his death on the cross. Please include that in your pre-Christmas devotional reading. It really captures the whole thing. Here's another contrast. Superheroes display mighty acts. I mean, Spider-Man can shoot a web out of his wrist. I think it's out of his wrist, like that. Uh, He swings over the city at breakneck speed. Seen that. Uh, He scales walls without ropes or cables. He's an impressive guy. Uh, Similarly, Superman is able to lift anything he wants. He's able to bend steel. He's able to see through buildings. All of those things. Superheroes display mighty acts. Jesus displays love. That's about... (laughs) That's about the best way to sum up what Jesus demonstrates in his life. Yes, his miracles were indeed mighty acts of God. They showed God's great power, but never once did Jesus use his power in a self-serving, self-promotional way. Never once. All of his miracles were motivated by love and this very important word, compassion. All of them motivated by love and compassion. Without exception, they'll perform quietly and almost unobtrusively. Let me give you a, a few examples. Matthew nine thirty six. Look at this. As he saw the crowds, his heart was filled with compassion because they were worried and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 20, verses 32 to 34. His two guys have come to be healed, two blind men. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. Sir, we want you to give us our sight. Jesus had compassion. There it is again. And he touched their eyes. At once they were able to see. Slip over to Mark chapter 1, verse, verses 40 to 42. A man suffering from a dreaded skin disease came to Jesus, knelt down, begged him for help. If you want to, he said, you can make me clean. Jesus was filled with compassion. He reached out and touched him. I do want to, he said. Be clean. At once the disease left the man. 
and he was clean. Mighty acts indeed, but motivated and performed out of a deep sense of love and compassion. Not out of any desire for self-aggrandizement, self-promotion, not one bit. Here's something else. Superheroes offer punishment. And that's the part we all like. When the bad guys get what they deserve. That's the most exciting part. Remember those early Batman TV series where they would actually put the words up to kind of coincide with the, with the fight scenes? Bam! And uh, pow! And splat! And my favourite, which I had to check this one, it was there. Thwack! It's, you know, they've actually listed all these on Google. Can you believe that? I think looking back at my childhood, I had a few thwacks uh, at the appropriate times. Not allowed to talk about that these days, of course. Um, <laughs> Friends, in the world of superheroes, saving others often means punishment because somebody's been bad. In sharp contrast, what does Jesus offer? He offers forgiveness. Yes, punishment was required. I mean, humanity had turned its back on God and had basically trashed a beautiful world. Trashed it morally and spiritually. But in a move which defies imagination and which forms the very centerpiece of the Christian gospel, God took the punishment. How's that for radical thinking? And in his death, in the death of Jesus on the cross, in doing that, in that particular act, forgiveness is available to everybody. Freedom from sin, forgiveness, it's all there. It's, it's total switch on what you'd expect. As John says in the, in the verse after the best known verse of the Bible, the one after John 3.16. John 3.17 says, God did not send his son into the world to be its judge, but to be its saviour. Not a superhero saviour, but a saviour characterised by humility, love and forgiveness. And friends, that selection of a baby, that unexpected choice of a suffering servant, that underlines the essential methodology which God has always used in achieving his purposes. It's always been there. It's a pattern throughout the entire Bible when it comes to kingdom work. You see, God's selection of people to achieve his purposes is not based on class, culture or capacity. Time and time again in the scriptures, God stuns people with the choices he makes. That guy? Are you kidding me? Nor is it based on intelligence, influence or importance. And this is the amazing news of the gospel. It means that we're all eligible, every one of us. We're all eligible to be part of the witness of the body of Christ. Look at Paul in our reading. You've been wondering when the reading would come in? Well, it's coming in right now. Look at what he says. Not the reading you might expect a couple of weeks before Christmas, but it's so relevant. Look at this. He says, now remember what you were, my friends, when God called you. From the human point of view, few of you were wise or powerful or of high social standing. God purposely chose what the world considers nonsense in order to shame the wise. And he chose what the world considers weak to shame the powerful. These Corinthians were a pretty motley crew, let's be honest. 
And they were the subject of many rebukes from Paul during the course of his letters for their, their lack of moral integrity and spiritual maturity. So where are we heading in all of this? Let's, let's bring this into land. God, God's method of saving the world is truly miraculous. Because in contrast to the methods we may have chosen, some kind of superhero, he chose the way of gentleness, love and forgiveness. And friends, it's the way he chooses to move in people's lives today. Nothing's changed. It's the way he brings about the transformation he desires through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the way this church operates. Through gentleness, through love, through forgiveness. Extending all of that on behalf of Jesus Christ through the ministries that we're involved in. It's slow work. Sometimes it's devoid of instant results. But it's the way of the cross. It's the way Jesus ministered. It's the way God has always brought about his, his dramatic transformations in the lives of people. Wow, what, what an outpouring of emotion and grief we're seeing over this weekend with the death of Nelson Mandela. I don't know anything about Nelson Mandela's journey spiritually. I, I don't know. But I do know this, that we see in that man from his early days where without pushing the point too hard, I guess, among his people, he was a kind of a radical superhero, got himself in a lot of strife with some of the ways of trying to bring about the revolution. And in the latter part of his life, what have been the characteristics of that great man's leadership? Gentleness, love, forgiveness. The quote that they're picking up on a lot over this weekend. If I hadn't been able to forgive those who imprisoned me, I would still be imprisoned. Wow. So there in, a, in, in the life of somebody who, who's captured, whose life has captured the imagination and the hearts of the whole world, there's living proof. This is the way to bring about long-term, sustained transformation. If that's the case with a Nelson Mandela, who is like all of us, just a mere mortal, how much greater the impact of Jesus Christ, who did not come as a superhero, who came as a baby, but through his love, gentleness and forgiveness has and is transforming the world. That's the way we transform our individual worlds. May we not miss one opportunity this, this Christmas to reflect and to administer these great spiritual qualities we see in Jesus, our superhero. Let's bow in prayer.